And then it's just trying to find time to do, I don't know how, every time I turn around, you're, you've put up eight other videos. <laughs> I don't know how you do it all. Here we are this morning. We're actually hanging out today at Richland's Creamery and Dairy Farm. Is that the pr- right way to say it? Or do you say Richland's Dairy Farm and Creamery? It's, I guess you can say it either way you want. Really, at the end of the day, it's three businesses here. It's Richland's Dairy Farm, Richland's Creamery, and then there's a Richland's Ag Tourism, which uh, I guess very few people even know exists as its own business because it's all right here on the farm. But, yeah, we couple it together a lot of times as Richland's Dairy and Creamery. Okay. Well, uh, we're here with TR, and your whole family plays a part in everything that you guys do here. And I had been out here with my family as we toured Virginia and we went and visit Love Signs. We just drove by it and we saw a crazy line of cars outside. We were like, what's that? And then my wife Googled it and we made a U-turn and came back and got in line. Um, But it was, then I saw you just a few weeks ago on TikTok. You are, well, now you're becoming, I guess you're TikTok famous. No, not Um, at all. (laughs) And so now you told your story about the farm. But for those that aren't on TikTok, I want to educate, I've talked to a lot of my listeners who know of, of Richland's Creamery, but there's so many more that don't. And so I want to know your story and how basically the last 270 years um, to now, to where we're at in eight months into COVID, where we're at. So let's start 270 years ago. All right. So we're going all the way back to the beginning. Um, so there's, uh, everybody's kind of familiar with Petersburg, I guess, in Virginia, and so the, the founder, I guess, of our farm or the homesteader that came out was actually a Peter Jones, if I'm, I think that's right. Uh, we have an uncle that, that gave us the history. Right. Anyways, the Peter Jones from Peter's Point at that time, it wasn't even Petersburg, it was Peter's Point, and it was a trading post. And he left, decided to go out and start a homestead farm um, here and had about an 800-acre farm um, and you know homesteaded it for generations after generations until... I guess my um, my great grandfather is as far back as I actually have heard the history was a cash crop farmer, farm okay. tobacco, and um, you know maybe some various other things. But my he had three sons, and so what he did when he was passing the farm one was he split it into three pieces, and he gave a portion to each son. Um, so then that's when the farm split, and my grandfather got the opportunity to come back and um, farm. I may have gotten that wrong. I think it was a generation before that that split. So my grandfather's father, when he was turning over the tobacco farm to my grandfather, he decided he wanted to have dairy cows instead of um, doing tobacco because if anybody knows, tobacco is extremely hard work. Yeah. Um, and he had lived with my grandmother in Richlands, Virginia for about two years after he finished college before moving back. And he enjoyed his time there so much when he moved back, he then turned the farm into Richland's Dairy Farm. Um, and then I think by the time my father graduated college, they actually went ahead and incorporated the name and made oh, it wow. an official business. So that puts us up to about the mid-1970s. Um, and from there, the dairy farm just continued to grow and grow. Uh, my father had three children, um, myself, my oldest sister, Coley, and the one in the middle of us is Erin. Um, I'm actually the youngest. Most people think I'm the oldest because... 
I'm the biggest one. I have the most, <laughs> have the most gray hair, <laughs> to be honest. But um, so it's the three of us. Uh, my middle sister Erin. She she had wanted nothing to do with farming. Really, um, she she was the one that listened, I guess, and left the farm. He always encouraged us to go do something else. My father did. So she left. She's um she's an engineer now in Northern Virginia. Um, and we couldn't be more proud of her. Um, but Coley and I decided to stay, and so we were on the farm. So at that time, it was me, Hugh, and Coley making a living off the farm. Once I got back from college, which was okay, and then I met Brittany, and we got married. And so then all of a sudden, it was it wasn't just me as a bachelor trying to make an income, which didn't need to be very high. It was it was my father making an income, me having gotten just married and we were going to have a child needed to make an income and my sister was married and she needed to make an income and so we kind of realized the writing was on the wall that all of all four of us could not be here and milk 200 cows and, right. and you know actually everybody make a living so we looked into either getting bigger um selling out the dairy or coley was interested in microprocessing at the time which would have been um maybe 10 cows and, and making batch yogurts and things like that right. and so Brittany and i went out we had some friends that that worked on really large dairies and we went out and visited with them and kind of, you know, tried to gain a little understanding of that. Um, Hugh looked into the, basically the finances of selling out the dairy farm and if we would cover cost and, you know, what we could do after. Of course, that option meant that we were all going to leave and Hugh was basically going to be able to have a beef farm, kind of. Based on what Brittany and I found out, we decided we couldn't really get really big. I mean, the kind of the minimum size to be now is almost 2,000 cows to be economical. Wow. Um, which takes an extraordinary amount of land base and, and area to you know house all that uh, that many cows, and we decided we just didn't have that here, so that option went off the table. Um, but I think as we all sat and talked about it, we kind of decided to come up with one more option, which was maybe look at building a creamery that processed all of the milk and see if that would you know be enough to make for everybody to make a living. Over 18 months, I guess, got together a, uh, a business plan, had a feasibility study done, tried to make sure the market was there, and and you know, went ahead and got a value of what amount of money we thought we could borrow to, to try to do it. Right. Um, all the figures came back to about one and a half million. We did have enough land and houses and assets to cover it. Um, and so then just sitting around the table one day, you know, everybody vote, what do you want to do? And, and so we just decided to take that leap and, uh, it turned out to actually cost closer to two million so that that was the first kind of shocker just right. things we didn't know i mean we you know we had the we had a estimate on the building we had an estimate on the actual plant but then things that came in like the uh even the well ended up being like five times what was budgeted and septic system because it had to handle grease out of the kitchen and and fat solids and all so all these things just started adding up you know it's things that you normally wouldn't think about. Right, right? just in chunks. You know, everything, it seemed like everything was $50,000. And then, so you had 10 things and then, you right. know, another half million dollars. So ended up taking wow. about $2 million to get it built and running. And so that happened and, and it really, we wanted to kind of have it built and open around the first-ish of um, like January. That was going to give us a chance to start out in the slow season, kind of, you know, figure out how to how to bottle milk and get everything running, get some ice cream built up on inventory, get into the summer, and then hopefully right. start to generate a little crowd. But because of building delays, we got pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, and ended up, we bottled our first bottle of milk on uh, May the 29th or 30th. How many days are in May? 31? I don't know. Like, knuckle, <laughs> look at your knuckles. The, I don't remember. It was the next to last day of May. We bottled our first jug of milk and we were all elated to finally, you know, it was like, it was like over two years to get to that moment, you know? Wow. And, um, 
so Brittany and I were so excited, we scheduled ourselves a date for the next night, you know, go out and celebrate <laughs> a little. And we're riding home from that date and got a phone call from my dad, and he said, uh, he said we just lost our, our main housing barn. And I don't think there's a picture up here, but we had this, we had this really big, uh, looked like a circus tent kind of, I guess you would say, and that's, that's where most of the cows live. Right, and a little storm had come through, uh, and they called it a shelf wind. It picked that building right up off its foundation and, and oh plopped it into the creek next door. It's, <laughs> I mean, we're all, we were already leveraged at that point, you know, all the way out to to do the creamery, and so there was no building it back. And there was, I guess, this instantaneous moment of, oh my God, what have we done? <laughs> right. <laughs> we basically all of a sudden had this real mess. Uh, kind of looked like a failure coming. You know, we did what we could. We moved some cows around. We had to sell some cows to get down to a size. Uh, our milk production. That's kind of like playing poker a little bit. Yeah. You're like, you're robbing Peter to yeah. pay Paul and doing this for that. And we had some insurance on the barn. Um, it wasn't enough to cover the whole right. building. And, and, and a lot of people say, why didn't you insure the building? Insuring a farm is nothing like insuring your house or your car. To insure everything here on the farm would be in the tens of thousands of dollars a month. I'm sure. And you don't, yeah. you just don't make enough money. So you go out and you pick things. This is this is super important. We have to insure this. That's the milking parlor. Right. Now this building is fully insured because it right. can't operate without it. Everything else is a what's the bare minimum we have to be able to recover afterwards. And so that's what we had. And it took us it took us a year and a half to really take that money and reinvest it and get the cows kind of set up with something that'll hold us over in the meantime right of course is where the dairy kind of sits but going back to the creamery um you know the milk had been bottled so we were able to start bottling milk but we didn't have anybody to sell it to yet because nobody would uh i think the hardest thing about the whole process was trying to go out and get a feel for for stores if they would be interested in the product right. and they said we'll bring us a product and we'll let you know well, you have to invest and you have to actually make that product to be able to take it to them before. So it's, it's you talk about gambling. Right. You gambled the whole gambit to come out with the first sample of milk so you can walk into the first buyer. Right. So you don't have a single buyer the day you, you get started. And so from there, it's just trying to build a market. I think we, and, and the whole creamery wasn't even done yet. The production room was done so that we could start bottling milk to get those samples out. We weren't even battling bottling big batches. I mean, we're doing like 100 gallons, making all these sample jugs, right. carrying them out, trying to get them in stores. Uh, it was about another two months, really, before the actual front of the storefront was done. The dipping cabinets were installed. I'd say it was in almost mid-July when we kind of opened the front door. And had a really good immediate response as far as people, I think at that point, the scene was there, wanted to know what it was, kind of came right. in. Caught the end of summer crowd. Um, luckily, we do a, we have been doing a pretty good-sized farm festival through the fall through the ag tourism business that I mentioned. Right. So that attracted a lot of people in October. Um, but then we went into the winter. Um, everything slowed way down uh, as far as being able to sell here on the retail end. Um, this was last winter? This is last, this last winter. winter. Okay. So everything slowed way down. Um, my sister Coley was out marketing, trying to get into stores, and she was talking with uh, Food Lion. That was looking pretty good. We are in, we are in Food Lion now, in some Food Lions, um, and talking with Publix and um, a few other places, a lot of small coffee shops and small ice cream shops. And so... Things were kind of lining up to go pretty right. well, right? And so we make it through the winter. We're having to borrow money all through the winter because there's not enough people coming to get ice cream and whatnot, right. and, and which we expected. And we knew kind of around May that things should start going pretty well again. And right. so they, they did. You know, May opened, and, and I mean, it was it was crazy amounts of people there for like two weeks, just, you know, ready. spring's kind of here. Let's get out the house. Let's right. go do something. We were getting pretty excited. I mean, we were looking at buying a tractor to hook to the hayride, to, you know, kind of run all throughout the week. And 
I can remember standing at that auction with my dad and we were looking at it and, and we were talking about, this was like the, before any shutdowns had happened, we we're standing out in the crowd talking about, you know, everybody's out here going about life like normal. There were no masks, everybody's standing around to auction. And then right. I think three days later was the first shutdown basically. Wow. And so just as things are getting revved up, all of a sudden, all the ice cream shops we would have sold to, all the coffee shops we would have sold to, all of them are closing. And they were basically canceling the orders. They were not open. We can't, we're, right. that's the wholesale end. Yeah, we were the same way in the radio business. Advertisers were canceling. Yeah. It was the exact same, we were in the same boat. Yeah, so that's the wholesale side. So, you know, that, that was what kind of had been starting to carry us into the winter. And all of a sudden, all these poor businesses that had to shut down, obviously they were hugely affected. And I know a lot of them aren't even going to open back up they shut down that that lost wholesale accounts because people were in lockdown you know that lost retail basically here at the storefront as far right. as ice cream people coming out it did give us this small surge at the same time that was really everything was really weird it gave us a small surge and uh, we had just gotten into food line and the food lines we were stocking couldn't keep milk because people uh, were at home the restaurants were closed there was yeah. this demand for milk everybody was eating drinking doing right. everything at home instead of going out right and so all of a sudden the food lines were calling us saying hey we can't keep milk on the shelf can you bring us more well, absolutely right. we can bring you more so we had this little bubble surge but by the time things balanced out with the i guess the normal resellers by june or so you know that kind of went away and then then i guess it kind of as COVID has slugged on you know you kind of just slowly continue to see fewer and fewer people able to come out and right. you know everybody's everybody's affected now i guess to yeah to adapt the creamery um we were lucky in the sense that we we have a restaurant there too we were lucky in the sense that we were considered a grocer grocer right. grocer 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 yeah and so um we were allowed to stay open but nobody could come inside uh. And so we all sat down and, you know, what are we going to do? Because we can't close. I mean, we've got, we've got to do something to try to generate income because, you know, all these, all these notes have to continue to be paid. Of course, yeah. Um, and so we sat around and came up with this drive through model that we were not built for at all. Right. Um, you got you know, the arrows on the rocks outside. Oh, it's, it's a destination. The whole, the whole business plan was let's make a destination because we need people to want to drive 45 minutes to an hour. Because we're, we're 45 minutes from Farmville. We're an hour from Richmond. I mean, y'all yeah. you know, we're an hour and a half from Williamsburg, um, and even in South Hills, about an hour drive. So we're we're in the middle, and the whole the whole business plan was to attract people in that bubble. Our hour and a half bubble was what it was. Of called. course. And so we had to have something they're willing to drive an hour and a half to do. So right. we we had set up this model where we were going to give tours. We were going to have hay rides. You could see the cows. You can walk inside see the milk being processed and bottled. I mean, there's all these windows right. so you can see in the plant room. You could spend the the goal was to to make it so somebody could spend two to three hours here and, and see things. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like you said, learn where the food comes from, what the process right. is. And so that went away. <clears throat> and so now it's, now it's come to this, you know, uh, essentially a dairy queen almost, um, you know, you come out, you drive through. You Your food is way better. I'm sure. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice. The food, the food is a whole other subject, uh, and, and it's just part of the struggles. We had we had opened this kitchen as a uh, as a soup and sandwich shop. You come in, get a panini and some soup, and right. it's great. But that didn't line well with the drive through because it takes it takes too long. It takes too long. Yeah. And so you know you can't have people. I mean, the first weekend we did the drive through. Thank God the people were very understanding that. You know, we were trying to do something we'd never done because, I mean, people were waiting an hour and a half from the wow. time we pulled in. And it wasn't like it was, a, it was kind of a long line, but it wasn't like yeah. we weren't Chick-fil-A in it where, you know, people of could course. come through in five minutes. 
but we were we were still trying to do the sandwiches and, and you know and then immediately we realized we can't do that that takes too long right so we had to shift over to these pre-made meals and even even now we're still trying to find the balance of what can you actually pre-make and then cool it down and then when it's ordered warm it back up and send it out and right. it's still a good meal and so that's been a that's been a struggle um luckily the people in the kitchen that are working on it have have been on board and they're willing to try new things and they're constantly adjusting the menu to try to make something that's right. better and you, you smiling over there staring at my wife. <laughs> yeah it, it yeah. is and it's and because it was never designed to be what it is it's been this constant adjustment and and it's you know that's just one of the other stresses but so yeah now we have this drive-through that even even i think it runs pretty smoothly now but even at best pulling in to order and get your meal is still seven eight ten minutes um when it comes to like i grew up on a farm my dad was a truck driver and so we had i think 30 head of cattle that was really about it we still milked cows but we did it the old-fashioned way where i had to put my hat on backwards sit on a little stool and just rest my head up against right. you know and just start milking with my hands right the process now is much different have you always been automated in the sense i mean you don't have you don't have 20 guys sitting down there you know <laughs> grabbing the teat every morning milking the cow <laughs> so, that's, that's the way i grew up so i know that sounds funny right no no <laughs> Brady's looking at me like oh my god no you're absolutely right <laughs> <laughs> make sure my hands aren't cold so the right. cow doesn't kick me you know but so it is all of it, right? Us you're thinking about it, and so you're like sitting there. My dad always well, told see, me he's a warm we're up. We're sitting here hands. laughing, but that that still happens. I mean, we're thinking, you know, we're, we sit in America, we have all this technology, but there are people around the world that still go out and milk their cow by hand every day. Yeah. So it's it's not like this isn't something that's right? abnormal. They got their bucket sitting right, down there, and right. I can still clearly hear the sound of the first quarts right. of milk hitting that pan. That's right. You know, that was great. I loved it. So now how's the process work now? Well, so what you're talking about, I mean, that's how my grandfather started milking cows. He had an old stanchion barn out here and, you know, just got started out with his first one or two milking by hand. Right. He eventually installed a, um, in, in barns like that, they installed what was basically considered like a milk line. Um, and it, it ran the vacuum down to a bucket you could carry around. And so that's when you've got the first machines and, and the machine would, milk the cow and then you were there to take it off you went and dumped the milk into the tank and then you know moved on to the next cow right and then the next thing that happened after that was actually a milking parlor and and so then the cows came into the barn and and you know all the pipes were connected to the, to the tank and it was a little more automated and you know one person could milk you know instead of three or four cows an hour all of a sudden you can milk you know 30 or 40 cows an hour so right. the process keeps getting um, I guess more technologically advanced. There we go. Right. Um, all the time, and so where we're at now, we, we milked in that parlor. It was a uh, it was a double six herringbone for a long time, and uh, around 2000 we built the parlor that y'all walked through. It's a uh, double ten parallel, and so even this parlor is 20 years old. Um, but you know we can we can milk a. 80 cows an hour or so now um, depending on who's milking and, and you had a dry race board down there and is that just the number of, of cows that'll be milked today i'm trying no. to pass it to my wife because this is the person that should be answering yeah take it over <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
so this is TR's wife, Brittany, and it, now you, this is, he even, TR even said that this is the part, he's like, when you ask me these questions, I'm not going to be able to answer it. He said, this Correct. is my wife's spot. <laughs> um, you're right. So you asked about the whiteboard downstairs. So the whiteboard tells us lots of information. It tells us how many cows are supposed to be in each group. Now, cows are wily, and they actually just stay in by choice. So when, you know, you you have the numbers and this is how many is supposed to be in there. Um, sometimes that can be off by a cow or two just walking through the stalls into another group. Um, the other information there is um, mostly the cows that are in our hospital group and what treatments they're getting and, and what they need. If there's a cow with a foot problem, it'll be written up there. If there is a cow who needs like liquid bandage or something, that'll be written up there. So everybody on the farm is aware that this cow needs this and everybody gotcha. needs to be making sure that that the cows are good. All right. Um, also on that board is the cows that go for the calf milk. Um, so we take our very best high quality cows, we collect their milk and we feed it to the, to the calves. Um, and we talked a little bit about technology earlier, yeah. um, more technology that we actually have to make sure that our cows stay healthy all the time are, they have something called a pedometer. Think of it kind of like a Fitbit. Um, okay. so it tells me lots of information about the cow each day. First thing it tells me is who she is tells me how much milk she gave. So if she gave a lot of milk yesterday and only a little milk today, I should probably go out and look at her and make sure she doesn't have a bellyache or something. Right. The next thing it tells me is how many steps she takes per day. So same when we don't feel good, we kind of lay around in bed. When they don't feel good, they kind of lay around. Wow. And vice versa, when they take a whole lot of steps, it means they're they're looking for a partner. Uh-huh. Okay. So the last thing it tells me is the electrical conductivity of their milk. So okay. every cow has their own baseline. And if they spike in electrical conductivity, it actually can be a precursor identifier, a precursor marker to a potential infection. So what we do oh. is we will pull that cow out of the herd, put her in the hospital group, take a sample of her milk, culture that milk, and make sure that she's okay. What is your background? Do you ha is it like farm? Is TR's kind of like? No. <laughs> is no. it more veterinary, or is it anything like that, or is this all stuff you've had to learn? over the course of all this? Um, so I didn't meet my first cow until I was 15 years old. Okay. And I was terrified of it. It was like a two month old calf and right. it was very small, like the size of a dog, but I was terrified. Um, but it turns out that I just fell in love with cows. I decided to get my bachelor's degree. I have a dual bachelor's degree in dairy science and animal poultry science from Virginia Tech. Wow. I also have a master's degree um, from Virginia Tech with my emphasis in antibiotic resistance. At that point, I, <laughs> I took TR with me um, up to Ohio, where I started a PhD program in microbiology. We stayed there about half a year and decided that, you know, that I really wasn't the, the right spot for me at the time. And so we mm -hmm. came back to the farm. But besides that, I've worked on a... 10,000 cow dairy. I've worked on three 2,000 cow dairies, and I've worked on an 800 cow dairy before wow. I came to this farm. Man, you're right. Wow. <laughs> Super wowed. So what is it when you start your day every morning? What's it? I mean, when you, how does that, how do you walk through a day? Um, what's the process from the time you get here? He said, look, my hours now, I get here at eight. <laughs> For a while, that's, that's For a my while, easy or, you know, week, right? like normal day. You know, I heard TR on a TikTok the other day say, this isn't a 40 hour job, mm -mm. 40 hour week job. You know, it's way more than that. So when do you guys start? And then finally you're able to go sit down with the family, you know, and end your day. Um, so it was extremely hard for me prior to this, 
February, January, February, but we did hire an assistant herd manager. Um, and that has really changed my quality of life a lot. Um, just because I have someone else to, to lean on for the majority of the time with the cows. Um, but my typical day, I'll get here between five and five 30. The first thing I do is I check the alarm list. Um, for the cows. So that's those pedometers just flagging anybody who the computer thinks I need to look at. Um, Then I'll walk down, uh, look to make sure all the cows are eating, um, make sure um, their excrement looks normal, (laughs) um, make sure their ears are perky, their eyes are clear. Um, If anybody needs to um, have found a partner, um, I will assist in, in that. It's like cow dating. Um, yes. How does... <laughs> Basically, <laughs> it's like a Tinder, swipe left or, right uh-huh, or yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> right. Um, so I'll assist in that, and then I will collect the milk, take it down, feed the calves, and we do essentially the exact same process. We have uh, the calves have something called a radio frequency ID in their ear. Um, so it tells me who they are, how much they ate, how many times they stopped, how fast. Is this they all ate. in their tag, or is this? Do they wear? I mean, do you actually? Is it like an ankle bracelet? Um, so the, for the cows, the pedometer is just like a bracelet that okay. you would wear. Okay. Um, the calves, I was trying to visualize it. Right. The okay. calves is a little white button that okay. goes in their ear, and and they'll keep it. Um, okay. It's it's part of a national identification system as well. Okay. I check on the teenager cows called heifers. I check on the cows that are on vacation and. And really, my day is just making sure that the cows are healthy and content. And now, how about you? I mean, when do you start? Um, so I start. It depends on if I'm on the opposite week of her. So if she goes in early, I have to stay home till eight till our babysitter gets there. And if she's not going early, I generally go early. Um, it's also highly seasonal, I guess you would say, and a lot of it depends on daylight. So in the spring, trying to get crops harvested and planted, I guess from May to middle of June. Um, it's not abnormal for me to get up at five and not be back home till 10 or 11 at night, um, long after everybody's gone to bed. And then same thing in the fall when we're cutting silage and trying to get fall crops in. I guess a little bit, I like the fall time a little bit more because I can be slower at my job. So right now I'm combining corn. Um, it gets dark at six o'clock, and so I quit at six o'clock. I was going to ask, what all do you guys harvest, or what what all do you uh, what all do you grow around here? What uh, so, what crops do you have? We're growing corn. Uh, the, the main thing we grow is corn for the cows. We're growing 500 acres of uh, corn. This year, about 400 of, 400 of it went to corn silage, and the other 100 has gone to um, corn grain, which I'm probably going to finish cutting today. Even then, at the same time, you have to start planting spring crops, so that all has to be planted in October. It's about 200 acres of uh, ryegrass and small grains, and that all has to come off in around 20th of May, beginning of April, at the exact same time you're supposed to be planting. So the days just get really long because there's, right. there's all these short windows to, you know, get it out of the field to, to get the best feed quality. Um, ryegrass has about a three-day window where this this is when you want to be cutting it, making it into salad. So that's the reason those days get really long. You don't want to miss that window. Right. Um, there's also this window to plant corn in the spring because it rains a lot. And so if the field's dry, you plant, and especially right. if there's... You know, if I if I wake up and I look at the the weather report and it says it's going to rain for the next three days, that's going to be a long day. She's she's yeah. basically not going to see me until it starts to drizzle and I'm going to leave the field because I got to quit. Right. And it, it may be midnight or one in the morning, whatever, um, to to get that stuff in in that window. And then same thing in the fall. There's this window of opportunity to get corn silage out of the field when it's at its best quality. And so those days get really long. Um, I've found lately here, though, the days are only as long as my, my truck drivers are, and 
It's, it's extraordinarily hard to find young people that want to do farm work. And so we have, we have all these retired people. They're like, oh, nostalgia, you know, let me come back to the farm. But right. even though I can work from 6 in the morning or 5.30 in the morning until, you know, 9 or 10 at night doesn't mean they can. <laughs> so, True. So sometimes those days end. I mean, even this year, I don't know that we cut silage much past 8 o'clock at night because, you know, it was, it, was, it was one of those years where it was hot and they were sweaty and they just kind of said, hey, I, I'm done. <laughs> you know what? It, it is. I've noticed that even in our in our in radio, it's tough to find somebody who wants to work a full day. Yeah. And for well, all intent purposes, who you're competing with, you're competing with tech companies like Google that you work. You know, you work three days and there's free food in the cafeteria yeah. in the bar, and that's where everybody wants to go. Right. right. I want the place where I get a massage every three days for free. And right. That's who you're competing with, and how are you supposed to compete? That's true. You know, I want to put. I, that's why. I mean, when I grew up on a farm, I wanted to put in an honest day's living. I wanted to feel like I got right. my hands dirty. You know, I got my boots scraped up or whatever. And now I don't as much working in radio, but just. I mean, I think it brought it to light when you talked about that on TikTok and how many hours and all that. I was like, crap, I forget how hard of a life it is. And, you know, I mean, you guys put your heart and soul into it and blood, sweat and tears for the return on investment. It's not what you would think it is. You know, it's a struggle. So now you've got the creamery. We're going through COVID. And I mean, what's the next step now? How best can we help you? get people out here or to get them to come, you know, come through the drive through and get a quart of ice cream or 10 quarts ice cream. I brought my cooler today because I'm (laughs) going to get like 10 quarts ice cream when I'm done here. But, you know, and I've already got a list of, uh, I need to get the peanut butter cup for one of my kids, vanilla Mm -hmm. for my other kid. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to get the peanut butter. And then I just, I don't know what else I'll get. You got kids? I have three girls. I've got one that's in Colorado and two that are here. They're the two that are here are 13 and 15. All right. So there's, there's this ice cream over there. You got to get, okay. Just get a quart. Your kids are going to love it. You're going to take a bite of it and say, this is the craziest thing that I've ever tried. It's cotton candy ice cream. Okay. And like when you say it out loud, you're like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Really? When you eat it, even the aftertaste is, I mean, it's, you know, most ice creams are like a representation of a flavor. So like this is Snickers ice cream. You right. know, it's got some Snicker chunks in it. Cotton candy ice cream is frozen cotton candy. Huh. And it is. There's no, this kind of tastes like cotton candy. It just is. It is the flavor right. of cotton candy. So All get right. that one. Um, there's 20 flavors, 20-ish flavors over there. There's a bunch of seasonal flavors that rotate in and out. Okay. Um, like peach. Peach is a summer flavor that rotates out in the fall for a, uh, there's a, like a pumpkin praline. Wait, what did you cake. call it? What was it? Peach. Peach. Okay. I thought peach you said pizza. No, I'm like, peach, wow, I can peach. get pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not yet. Um, so like it just rotated out for like a pumpkin praline cheesecake type ice cream, you know, a fall flavor. Yeah. Yeah, of course. There's an Oreo, uh, coffee Oreo. There's a milk and cookies, vanilla, vanilla crunch, you know, chocolate. How did you come up with the recipes for these? So that's, that's where my sister um, excels, I guess you would say. She went to ice cream school at Penn State uh, for a week and then traveled around a lot to, you know, uh, get ideas and worked with a company to kind of get a base recipe. And from that recipe, um, she and the ladies that work in the ice cream room, they experiment and they've got the uh, the notebook of trade secrets, I guess you would say. Right. And it's, it's some trial and error. I mean, they've got courts in there that are, here, y'all can have this if you want because we're not selling that. You right. know? It's wow. just... It comes out of the machine, they come up with an idea of a flavor they want, and they try to, you know, small batches, try a few, let them freeze, take them out, eat them, and say, yeah, that's just right, that's not right, you know, what do we need to do, what do we need to adjust? I guess one of the funny things people 
may not know about ice cream is there's a thing called base mix. So all the flavors come from the base mix. And you can take that base and put a small amount to the machine. Then you start adding flavors like, uh, let's say they're making um, triple chocolate chunk. When they put it in the machine, they actually add the chocolate then. They add the chocolate chunks in uh, then as well. And so that flavor, it's not like they have to make a chocolate chunk mix. You know, it's not like right. they have to make a vanilla crunch mix. It all comes from the same mix. Okay. And then the flavor's added after. So you can do small batches and experiment. You know, they right. can make it a pint at a time and experiment with it. Coming out here just kind of brings us, you know, brings me full circle to be able to, to put the whole right. piece of the puzzle together and, you know, see how we can help. So that's, all right, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about getting the name out there is essentially where we're yeah. at now, right? So I started TikTok 10-ish weeks ago. It was right at the... It was like right around August the 30th. 10 weeks ago, September. and you already have like 3.4 million views <laughs> or likes or... Yeah, I don't know. Um, goodness. I mean, if I open my phone right now, <laughs> you're sitting... I mean, you probably looked at it this morning and laughed. Well, I, <laughs> I'm still trying to get my head around my weekend and my... my time my page I, I look at mine every day if i get one <laughs> and i got fortunate because i shared when when tainted lyric got kicked off for a uh -huh. little bit for uh -huh. something silly you know yeah okay so three million you three million likes and three hundred forty nine thousand followers um in 10 yeah. weeks that's just amazing yeah it's that's been it's this is whole other thing i'm trying to comprehend <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did the you know i i talked about tainted lyric getting booted off on one of my can i get any mens i'm like it's amazing now i'm doing my show prep on tiktok right and that's what i'm actually talking about in the well, afternoon it's, it's i think right now it's the biggest media platform that people are using. yeah yeah and again you talk about competition you know for radio that's another yeah, piece of competition that it people is. are spending time on that's and right. i i saw that and then all of a sudden everybody it was about bringing tainted lyric back and all of a sudden that took off so I'm only at like 10,000 likes. Um, I have 1,200 followers. I'm pretty sure I follow you. <laughs> do you? Okay, yeah. good. Um, I know uh, Scott D. Henry I saw, does. I saw you I saw you do edited a video about the farm. So I yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. Yeah, Scott D. Henry follows me. I can't get go. UD or I can't get, you know, Kingery or any of those guys. I'll let them know. But yeah, I'll let, let them know. know. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about that real quick. So like TikTok and how you've amassed such a quick following in 10 weeks. If I knew, I would tell you. Is it I don't red? actually know. Is it red? It, it's got to be. It's, it's got to be. I have no idea. It's, it's either red, but you do put a lot of family value talk on there. So I, I started, I literally, literally started, I did this one odd post like in June because I was walking around in my garden. I've been watching for a while and I was like, oh, I'll try making a post. And I made it and like six people watching. I was like, well, that was silly. And I moved on, you know. Right. And so then around, I was sitting in my living room wife and kids had gone to bed and I was watching videos. It was actually Scott Henry, that's funny you mentioned him, made this video about he was gonna take a break from TikTok because he was just getting so, so many people were kind of- So much him. hate. Right, so much hate. And I thought, I thought in my head, I thought that is not okay. I don't wanna live in that world. That's right. not okay. So I said, I'm gonna, he's gonna take a break. I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna say something nice to people. And essentially I right. said, I don't care if three people see it. I'm just not okay with living in a world where, you know, hate wins. It's not okay with me. Yeah. Went down, sat down, made a video, and just started making one a day, kind of just, you know, for fun. I accidentally made this video. Not accidentally, I was... I, one of the things I wanted to do was... I, I, it I it was accidentally planned? <laughs> well, the, the one that's accident's coming, I made this love trickle video, and the, the, the idea was that 
you take whatever's bothering you, you put it in the comments section, and then people would come along and give you advice. It was just, you know, it was, it was kind of my way of let's show some people some love. Because like I say, it was a lot of right. TikTok goes in these waves where it's like, oh, look how positive it is. Look how negative it is. And right. So just trying to inject that positivity. And out of that, I mean, it, it was a small video, you know, at the time it got 15,000 views and I was ecstatic. You know, I told my wife, I was like, look at all the people. They yeah. love it. You know, I was, I was, my hat was off, but I was reading, I tried to stay with that one very well. And I mean, I had, had several thousand comments in just a week, but I was reading them and I was reading through them, through them. And it was so many people that were just, um, they were upset that they felt overwhelmed because their, their spouse or their partner wasn't helping them out with the kids or the house. And so I was frustrated. I went and sat on my back porch and basically sat down and did a video where I, it was, um, you know, about participating in your marriage. Right. And that video I woke up the next morning. It was like several hundred thousands of views. And I was like, wow. oh, my God, what did I do? And all of a sudden, I had like 20,000 people follow me overnight. And I was like, uh-oh. So, <laughs> so then I kind of slipped into making this content that was a little bit where I would go out and talk to Red sometimes. You know, my whole idea was that, well, I could educate people about farming. You know, this would be kind of fun, right? right. So that's, that's what I was evolving around. Um, and then it kind of slipped in. Well, maybe I could talk about marriage and, and you know, how our relationship works a little and people really like those videos and that had kind of pushed me up to like 75,000 followers and, and, and the big thing that was revolving was if I did lives people wanted to just talk about relationships and right and how to talk to your spouse because we we have what I think is a is a pretty open line of conversation. <laughs> yeah it's a pretty open line of conversation which I've I thought was normal because it's the only marriage I've ever been in and realizing that it's not normal it's the only one I've ever it's been normal in. good for you and I didn't realize how abnormal it was to be able to talk about things like, hey, um, you know, I'm stressed out because the kids are overwhelming today. Yeah. Can you help me out? Yeah, sure. What do you need? You know, it's right. You know, and just communicating to, to help each other out and not realizing that that's not normal. So those videos, I made four or five over the next few weeks that all of them got like half a million views. Wow. And that's what got me up to like 75 ish thousand followers. And then I got this radical idea in my brain that I was like, you know, what if I took uh, ice cream from the creamery and I just sent it to some of the really big people on TikTok? And, you know, they, like Tame and Lyric used to do the bang drinks and he yeah, would drink yeah, it yeah, and he yeah. would, you know, have a little skit. And I said, what if, you know, what if they would do that? That might get the name out there and people right. say, oh, what's that This ice tastes cream? like. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe, maybe they'd see it on TikTok and say, oh, where can I get that? You know, maybe they'll look us up, Google us. Right. And I thought this could be a good thing, so we'll give it a try. And so I made a video about it and... I'd had some videos climb pretty well overnight. That video in one hour was at 100,000 views. And, and wow. people were tagging. You want to talk about a weird following. I've got from, I've got like six blue check cook to Iron Sanctuary, Tainted Lyric. Um, Mr. Hamilton follows me. Wow. So all these creators came and were like, yeah, I would love to have some ice cream. And, and then just started following me. And so my page jumped a little bit that night and then it quit. That video like ran into a wall. Got 100,000 views even, uh, and this is me guessing. That right. Is that the one that you were talking about where you're like, this is what, it yeah. just like stopped? Yeah. It was It was like it got there, it got reviewed, and then it just got pulled off the For You page. Like, it was, huh. we're not going to promote this video. You know, I don't right. know how the algorithm works. I don't know how they check it. Nobody does. We're all confused why an 18-year-old can get on TikTok in a revealing piece of clothing and and get you know 50 million views we don't we don't know I, we don't know we don't know no so we all know that happens and so i i was frustrated and over the next two days because i felt like i had made a video that people wanted to see and this idea that people wanted to participate in right and it just in the next two videos i posted i mean just in the toilet didn't nothing happened. wow like 500 views and you know even even then at that time i was getting routinely getting 
four or five thousand views you know right on. so I was, I was frustrated i went out sat on the fence post and basically just turned on my tiktok said i'm frustrated and that video got it's up to like five and a half million views now. wow it's up that high huh because because basically just said i just want to tell my story and i don't understand why what we've just gone through why is it okay for something that everybody's confused about to go viral and get so many views when when somebody wants to tell their story wants to promote themselves some why isn't that okay right and and i think people saw that uh, my best guess is they saw it and they could see the frustration they said you know what forget the algorithm we're going to make this video do something. right and so they sh- it's shared and I, I couldn't even i'm still trying to catch up on the number of people that have duetted it and mentioned it and commented and shared it and it's you know it's just it's it was more than i could catch up on but i mean within within a week my following had gone from eighty thousand to close to two hundred thousand and then it's just it's continued from there i mean I, I look at my phone i'm at like three hundred fifty thousand now like you said two million likes and <laughs> when does that become monetary it's not for me um or is there a chance for it you know like some people like you know whether it's tainted lyric and the bang right. energy drink or whoever you right. get people calling going <laughs> hey you know just put us in one video and we'll you know so i guess do this. i guess the the way it's worked for me in the best way it can work. And a lot of people have asked, well, what can we do to help? You know, a lot of people said, start a GoFundMe, start a Venmo, you know. Right. I've tried to make it very clear, you know, that that's not, that's, I've never asked for anything in a video. I'm not out asking for anything. Really, I just want to be able to to tell our story here, tell our history, um, you know, promote our our little creamery if I can, um, talk about marriage advice. You know, I just want to be me and I'm still, I talked to her about this. I still don't really know why I have the following I have. And if right. I could tell you, I would tell you so you could get it. You know what I mean? Right. Ever, anybody. So I, I had no I, no intention to set anything up because it's not, this isn't, there was a, you familiar with the Nicole Head story where the, they were trying to save the farm because mm-hmm. yeah. essentially they had a deadline they had to meet and there was no way they were going to meet it unless they got donations. And okay. So that's, to me, that's where a GoFundMe or a Venmo comes in. You know, I, right. there's, I'm depending on the charity of people or I'm going to lose this, right? Or it right. could be a car, or whatever people need. And so I want to leave those things for those people because they need it, right? right? And that doesn't, there's no amount of money here that we're going to raise that's really going to help us anyways. What we need is to get our name out there so that people see that we're here and then start coming to the business, right? Right. And start being a return customer, continuing to come because that's what's going to propel us along. If we can get, we, we run about 20% of our milk through the creamery now. If we can ever get that number to 100%, then this farm will be here for generations. Right. That's that's we're trying to leave and get back to this in a second. We're trying to leave what's considered the conventional milk markets, and we're trying to go into our own. Right. We're going to carry it from the cow to the store, and we're going to control the price because we don't control the price in conventional. True. Market. That's a commodity market. Um, but so many people have wanted to know how they could help as far as monetizing TikTok, how they could help if they weren't. Um, <laughs> this goes back to shipping the ice cream. So I had all these creators tagged. I picked one that was in California because I was like, I want to know if I can mail it that far first is what right. I want to know. It went to the UPS office to mail. It was going to be $900 to mail it to California. And what? I immediately realized I messed up. Because right. <laughs> you have to get it there in a certain time. It's got to be packed in dry ice. It's got to be dry ice, which is hazardous material. So they take one quart, they put it in a cooler, put three blocks of dry ice around it, wrap that put it into a box with peanuts and more dry ice, and then drop that box into a third box with peanuts. Jeez. So by the time the one quart of ice cream gets there, you're in a three by three box. Because it has to stay that cold yeah. and it has to go overnight. Right. And so the packaging alone was like 70 bucks and the, the transportation was to be 900. So I realized 
you know, I messed up, I made a mistake. So I went out with Rib Macau, who's, uh, who's more TikTok famous than I am, I think, and basically made a video saying, you know, I, I messed up and I'm really, I apologize. And right. you know, if, if you started following me because you thought you were going to get ice cream, I screwed the pooch on this one. I should have done some research first. Right. But Rid decided instead, well, why don't you just invite people to come out here? And so right. that's, you know, that's what we're going to try to do down the road. Let them come out and, you know, see the farm, spend some days. Because a lot of these content creators are looking for something to do because, you know, I've been on TikTok eight months now. I'm running out of content. So they travel around. They're starting to meet other people and make right. content together. So I figured it would be a good <clears> idea. At the same time, people that were far away that said, okay, well, we can't buy the ice cream. What else can we do? Um, can we donate? And I said, no, I don't, you know, I don't want you to donate. I don't, I don't feel right about that. Um, and somebody said, well, why don't you come up with something to sell? Why don't you come up with some merchandise? And so I said, yeah, sure, I could do that. I feel good about that. You know, you're getting something. Not only are you getting something, you're actually walking around now with a name on your shirt that right. people say, what is that? And then, you know, you can say, hey, this came from this guy on TikTok. He does these videos with his cow. It supports the creamery, you know. It's, right, so it's like advertising. Too. Right. And so it, it helps me. At the same time, you get something. Um, and it felt pretty good about that. So we did set up an online store um, so that people can buy T-shirts with Rid the Cow on it. Hashtag Lincoln Bio. Yeah, hashtag Lincoln <laughs> Bio. That's right. And, um, and so that's that's something just a, luckily a friend of ours from college, unfortunately laid off from COVID. Like so many people, he was uh, gracious enough to say, yeah, I'll design this. I'll set it up for right. you. Um, so I've been working with him to get stuff out there. And uh, we'll continue to, you know, make more things and get more stuff on on the website. Um, but we basically just were trying to get something going. At the same time, I had uh, I had my following had gotten big enough that I could actually now I can do videos and say, please tag this person. Ah, and okay. So you you get to a size where you know if I if I have ten if I have ten thousand followers and I say tag this person, then you know maybe seven eight people tag them. That video is done. Right. But you get to a certain size where you can say, I want you to tag this person, and it fills up their inbox so bad that they see your video. Right. So now I've achieved a size where I can say, tag this person. I want to you know, get their attention, and I have the, the best supportive followers on TikTok. I would, I would take my followers over anybody's, and they, they go to bat for me when I say, I need to get in touch with this person. So I, right. I've actually... Uh, I got I got a hold of Bar None in less than 10 minutes. Jake Did Bar. you really? Yeah. Well, wow. I, made, I made a video. I said, tag Jake Barr. You know, Ray wants to invite him out for ice cream. I don't right. know if he's coming or not, but he right. saw the video. He do edit it. You know, and now so I have the potential, I guess. And so the best the best way to help if you're local, this is to answer your question. The best way to help if you're local is we're here, and you can come out. You can get ice cream. So many people have said, "Oh, I, I didn't even know you were ten minutes away from me. I saw you on TikTok." Right. You know, ten minutes isn't far. Yeah. To not have just known that it was a drive by or that's you know, true. Driven by, I didn't know what it was. So that's. That's the local help. Um, then the farther away help is there's yeah, Merch Link and Bio if you want it. Right. Even if you don't want it, sharing that story along, you know, comment, like, copy, whatever. Um, that propels me back into the For You page and so new people can see. And some of those new people are 10, 15 minutes away. Right. And that's what's crazy about TikTok is you're so close, but you're so far to some. Yeah. But then you're so far, but then you're like, oh, crap, you're just right down the road. Yeah. So even even now today, I regularly get 10 to 15 comments a day that are, I didn't realize you were just posting. I'll be out this weekend. Right. So it's has it helped business? Absolutely. It's helped business. I mean, yeah. The week I made the video about being frustrated to the week after, I think sales at the creamery had gone up over $1,500 from those two weekends or something. Wow. And nothing, you know, nothing special. It yeah. should have actually continued to trend down because we're later into the right. season. So there's there's definitely been a response. And But those people are then in turn going to say, oh my gosh, I 
if you haven't been here, I mean, word yeah. of mouth, well, aside I've, from TikTok, then word of mouth is the next best form of, yeah, you know, that's right. marketing. And it's, you know, I, I was trying to send ice cream to people to make videos, but now there's people that mention me because they came out to the creamery, they're doing their own video, they say, you know, I got this ice right. cream, go try it out. So it's this trickle around effect. And, um, yeah, that's right. Wow. Well, look, um, however we can help you, you know, here in here in Richmond or down the road in Richmond, you know, yep. I mean, this was, like I said, one of those things I wanted to get the full on history. You know, I wanted to learn a little bit more, um, see how I can. And I'll go on the air this afternoon. I'm on the air three to seven. I'll go on the air this afternoon. So I was out at, you know, Richland's and <laughs> I loaded up with ice cream and, you know, I'll share it on my socials and take pictures and, you, should, uh, you take, know, take try and pour it into the studio with you and give them a real live. Right. Oh, yeah, I could. I could. Yeah. Cause I see the be cool careful, thing. Be careful about what you say afterwards. There's a whole lot of people curse. It's that Do good. they? Do they? All right. <laughs> I'll be good. careful. I'll make yeah, sure. We had, we had uh, last, maybe two Mondays ago, had a chef come out. And she had found me on TikTok. She said, I want to come out, visit Rid, see the farm. She said, absolutely come out. And she came through, tried everything. And, and she, uh, she told us as she was leaving, she said, you know, as a, as a cook, as a chef, as a professional, I have these moments where I try something and I say, I've never had that before. She called them uh, religious moments or uh, like these spiritual, these spiritual moments as a <laughs> chef is what she called them. Right. And she said, I don't even like eggnog. She said, I picked up your eggnog, drank it. She said, that was a moment for me. She said, I'd never had that before. Never wow. had anything like that. So, huh. so we'll have to direct like people, people out for just the eggnog now that we're coming into this time of year. <laughs> I mean, but, but I don't know. My kids, we were talking about that. You talked about seasons, seasonal things. And my kids last night when they were like, get this. I'm like, you sure you want that? And like, dad, there's, and they actually said it. My older one did. My 15 year old goes, there's no season on ice cream. I don't care if it's 12 degrees out. I'm going to get ice cream. Right. So yeah, she was the one all excited that, right. uh, you know, I was going to be coming out here. She's made a list for me. Right. So, well, look, um, congratulations on, on, on TikTok. Uh, congratulations on, you know, starting to get people rolling in, in the creamery. And, you know, I know this COVID thing is, is, is a God awful thing. And so many people have lost so much, but however we can help, keep you guys running we're here for you if people want to follow us on tiktok it's um i'm at tr underscore jones seven uh, my wife is at richlands dairy and there's also a facebook page and she she handles the cow stuff. she handles the cow stuff <laughs> yeah. how much time do you spend on tiktok a day now that it's become so i mean is that do you get in trouble for that my i'll sit on i'll be sitting in my chair at night and my wife will go seriously you're TikToking, aren't you yeah luckily she likes to watch it as much as so it it's this is the thing and and you know everybody's you came and say you're TikTok famous now I'm, i don't consider myself TikTok famous because i'm still the same person i was 10 weeks ago of course right? now i'm just having to not having to but now i'm that person in front of an audience of instead of three at home, I'm that person in front of an audience of 350,000 people today, right. you know, next week, who knows? Um, the, the things that wrestle with trying to grow, you know, everybody seems to think it's such a good idea to grow that fast, right? It's, it's, I'm going to advise you don't, because right. it's such this thing to wrestle with. How do I manage my time now that my, my inbox, when I used to open it, had seven, eight things in there, you know, it's easy to respond to every comment, respond to every person, right. interact with every person. And, and now when I open my inbox, it doesn't matter if it's been 30 seconds, it says 99 plus. And I can't, wow. I can't get to, I've, I've, I've accepted at like week seven that I wasn't gonna be able to respond to every comment anymore. It just right. won't happen. I get as many as I can. I'm starting to, I'm, I'm gonna have to accept soon that I can't get to every mention I'm tagged in anymore. It's right. just not gonna happen. And, and that's difficult for me because people are mentioning me saying, 
can you come over and, and, and promote this cause, right? And it's not right. that there's nothing worthy about that cause. It's absolutely probably a worthy cause. But if I don't see it in the mentions I get to, I just don't see it. Right. So that's, that's a weird thing I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, I was going to say, you yeah. got to go finish cutting corn so today. <laughs> to try to keep myself out of trouble, I try to, like if I'm in the combine by myself, it's easy enough to do a live, interact right. with people because I don't have the time. I can't sit there on my phone, but I can get on and talk, right? If I'm actively working where I can't have my phone out, I'm actively working because at the end of the day, I still have to do my job. Right. Got a wife, got two kids. When we get home, you know, we're, we're cooking, we're cleaning, we're trying to get them to bed. Those guys go to bed and then to answer your question, if y'all are in bed by nine, 9.30, something like that, I'm, I'm probably staying up till 12.31 in the morning right. trying to get to as many as I can. Basically until I just am too tired and I turn it off. Because, right. you know, reality is I'm back up at 6 the next morning. Going of course, home. yeah. So, I'm, and, and, and that's that's the thing I'm saying you have to wrestle with. At some point, you got to realize you just can't get to everything. Right. And, and I don't know how to do that yet. I'm trying to figure that part out. Yeah, you know, when, when, when you see that many come in, it's tough. That's where, that's where you know, Man, some life is so weird because I mean, and ten weeks ago, you know, I, even even people started tagging my own video. They said this was you eight weeks ago. You were sitting there saying, "I don't have very many friends." Does anybody want to be friends on TikTok? <laughs> and you know, this weekend I went on a ride along with Officer Yudi, who's the they all switched their names this weekend. The real Yudi, the real King Reed, Paul Taco, Georgia Landscaper, Jimmy Jones. And, uh, and Kevin Lawson. And Those I mean, are that, some high-profile TikTokers right that, there. <laughs> that group alone puts together like six million followers. Yeah. And I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I didn't, I didn't have friends eight weeks ago, and now I'm hanging out with people that are like, oh, I'd love to go hang out with them. And it, it right. was... Let me tell you, you would love to go hang out with them. It was awesome. I'm sure. They, the video of y'all, like, <laughs> okay, so the, the wagon, yeah. the wagon one was funny. That was funny. But I still can't get the visual of, of the short shorts and police outfit thing out of my head. Oh, man. <laughs> and then you are, there you got your Carhartt jacket on, just walking, yeah. like, I'm in no, the wrong spot. Yeah, I'm in the wrong place, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, it's it's definitely windows of opportunity, and I'm, I'm enjoying you know, I talked about how hard it is to wrestle with growth that fast, but I'm sure I'm enjoying the, the positive side. Right. And then, you know, going back to Scott Henry, the negative side is, is, um, you know, now you get the, why aren't you commenting back to me? Why aren't you mentioning, you know, and it's right. just, the reality is it's just not enough hours in the day. Yeah. Like, I think he says, what, do better? Just yeah. do better. Well, and, and the thing, even one video I made, and, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but one of the videos I made even like three weeks ago was don't, don't worry about trying to, get the attention of these ultra large accounts. You know, at the time I had like 30,000 followers. And so I was interacting with people that were in the same circle, you know, and, and we were, we were doing each other's videos. We were talking to each other and, you know, and I still talk to all those guys, don't get right. me wrong. Um, but you know, there's nothing wrong with, or I think one of the mistakes we make is we want the Scott Henry's of the world to, to reach down into our account and say, go follow this person. Right. Everybody right. wants that. He, of course. He does. He does yeah. when it, it, it does when it hits him right. But why not just find somebody that's the same size as your account and say, hey, go follow that person. And that person's going to say, hey, right. go follow you. And your account's slowly going to build over time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then you make friends along the way. That's true. Yeah. It's very and true. So, I mean, yeah, everybody wants to hang out with all the all the big TikTokers. And now it's, and again, not trying to toot my own horn, but it's weird for people to, it's weird now when people are like tagging me and saying, I want to come hang out, you know, I, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm a dairy farmer in right. Southeast Virginia. There's nothing special about my account. There's nothing different about me than, than anybody else on this app, you know? Yeah. So that's, it's, it's like I said, it's this weird thing to, to get going and, and try to wrap your head around. Cause I don't feel any different than I felt 10 weeks ago about right. my life, you know, other than 
seems to be influencing other people. I think what I like to see is how many people that you that have that same thought process as you that are able to connect to your videos. You know, when you're making your content, you're connecting with thousands and that I mean you probably saved somebody's marriage, you know, or many marriages and, and that's and, huge. And you get comments like that and that's that's what propels you to stay awake long after they've gone to bed to try to get through right. you know, because yeah. Yes, there is the realization. And, and she told me, I, I even had a moment there where I was, I said, you know, I, I don't know if I want to keep doing this because I don't want the weight of, you know, I was getting so many questions about marriage advice. How do I do this in my marriage? And, and you know, I told her, I said, I'm not a therapist and I don't know how to respond to some of this stuff. And she said to me, she said, you don't need to be a therapist. You just need to be you. If it helps, it helps. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Right. And, Good know, advice. Yeah. And so See, she, she wowed you again with not yeah. only all the degrees, but she essentially said you can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for the time. I know you got work to do. You got to get on a combine. Well, you got to take you over to see ice cream. Oh yeah, yeah. I got to get some ice cream for sure. <laughs>